What a gold. Welcome to Tales from the East End, episode 68, and it's me, Gary P, and of course, the Prof, Carl Riley. Hello. Yeah, so we're still sponsored by Peter East, and they're still plating up free pancakes for kids, so bring along the kids, and you'll get free pancakes along with your own paid plate, so uh, definitely check them out, they are delish and gorgeous. So, um... Yeah, so we're going to talk about our five-star display against Limerick last week. Interviews from Play for Paddy Tournament, the Members' Corner, and Tommy Tommy, of course. And uh, we have our Spanish goalkeeping coach, Jose Ferrer. Yeah, it's about time we heard from Jose. It's kind of a mystery, isn't he? He's popped his cherry as well, hasn't he? Yeah, it's first ever interview. It's first ever interview, so it's uh, definitely a good listen. So we're going to uh, talk about our five-a-side activities tournament, the Jack Wilson Memorial Cup, and the reaction to the five-a-side draw. Mm. Yeah, um, apparently my comments caused a bit of a stir. The junior hoop scare. Yeah, there's a serious civil war going on there. They don't like you anymore, Prof. That's all mind games. It's all <laughs> mind games, right? How have they not kicked you out of that WhatsApp group, by the way? I know. You're like, you're like a spy in the camp. It's just it's just uh, vitriol towards you. There's just <laughs> serious hatred going on towards you. They have a few ringers as well. I'm going to find out who they are. But um, yeah, the draw was very tasty. The ultras drew. Football loves us. The management. We had uh, some Larrys in our group. We've a couple of a couple of good teams in there. So the Academy A with Tony O'Dowd and a couple of other players, like Aiden Price and Pat Deans from the halfway line is involved there. Brandy Brazio was giving the ultras the eyes after the game. Yeah, it's all mind games now, Prof. It's yeah. all mind games up until the biggest social event of the year, the Tifties tournament. See, they've changed our name as well. The ultras. What have they changed? Oh yeah, yeah. The, the cunts with the flags. <laughs> that was upon request. No, with the flares. Oh, it comes with the flares. Sorry. Yeah, they comes with the flares. So, um, yeah, so we DJ Dan Fulham confirmed for the after party. So during the presentation and after it, he will be banging out the tunes and uh, there'll be food on the day. There'll be a spot prize. I mean, we've, we've plenty of spot prize at the moment. We have a month's membership mm. from Kickstarter Fitness. We've got Talent Adventure World which is now renamed it's Kids Zone. We've got family passes for that. We've uh, offbeat donuts vouchers. We've explosive fitness vouchers from Crumlin, from Joe, very generous owner there. We have, uh, oh, what else have we got? Bottles of vodka. We have Rover's goodies. There's a serious amount of prizes in there, Prof, so we're delighted to have the raffle. And we've hired uh, Lancer Senior League referees, of course, but uh, Dan Fulham was telling us about how Darren Glennon was once a referee. Was this at the Pride of Rings end? Or? It must have been at the Pride of Rings must have been end. there, but he said that uh, lads were getting two-footed and then Darren says, get up, it's a man's game. <laughs> so you wouldn't blow for fouls and then some old lad came over, uh, blows, the whistle, blows the whistle for him and says, so it does fucking work. <laughs> so then Glennon sent him off. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about abuse of power. Oh, it would be the exact same. Power gone to your head. And one more note on this, uh, Connor Foley. I'm not picking on the lad. He's just, he's just comedy gold. 
And, is this uh, our history section again? No, it's not the history section. Please tell me we have another history section. We were, like, when the draw was made, the show was late. Again, sorry about that. But uh, there was a buzz in the WhatsApp group over what the draw was. I think some people, won't name names, fast forward to the end to figure out who they got in the draw. Yeah. But Con- Connor was trying to find out, like, who he got now. And then someone mentioned the junior hoops. And then Connor goes, who's in the junior hoops? Are the kids? Garrett, have you ever got stuck in a fit of laughter for like three or four minutes straight? He's like, yeah, we're actually playing against seven-year-olds. They're, they're in the tournament. They're playing Duff in the first round. Duffer's Garrett, team. Garrett, it was actual tears coming down my eyes, like <laughs> my cheeks. Oh, man. Connor's a good lad. He's Could a good not lad. stop laughing at this. <laughs> and, um, of course, we have a couple of players. We've recruited. I did me transfer business. And uh, we're going to start with we've Tommy Kelly in goal, the monk. Okay, the monk from Mean Machine. Uh, we're going to have Pa, the red Miss Flynn. We have Sully, the the Serbian rocket. Man alive. Man alive. And we have Keith Fatty in the middle of the park. And Andy Moyler banging them in up front. So watch out, lads. Me and Prof are Alan O'Neill and Terry Everson. Yeah, either commanders or... Manager and this manager. Still, no, to this day, no one knows what yeah. the crack with that was. But that's me and the prof. We've got Connor Foley on the team as well. Gar Brennan, our super subs. Ole Gunnar, Solskjaer. And, uh, yeah, so we're, we're, we're looking good at the moment. And, um, yeah, so definitely uh, keep an ear out for that. It's going to be a fantastic day. It's 29th September. Uh, kickoff will be half three or four registration at three. And it'll go on until it finishes. Then we'll have DJ Dan. We'll have loads of grub, raffles, presentations. And, uh, of course, it's going to be the Jack Wilson Cup and the Derek Herbert Player of the Tournament Award. So And we just saw the trophy for that, and it's it's a keeper. It's an absolute cracker. Derek Herbert Memorial Trophy Player of the Tournament is an absolute beaut. And uh, we look forward to presenting that in the day. We've, we're going to do up some odds for the teams as well. We're going to get Dan to get his Paddy Power odds up. And uh, I think the favourites have to be football loves us alongside testing the East End bogeys. So um, the prof did an interview with Aaron Green, and this guy seems to have matured a lot, mm. much to the dismay of certain members of our WhatsApp group and prominent fans that are from Ballyferma. Wear glasses. Well, I won't name their names anymore because <laughs> always fucking naming them. <laughs> well, it was easy to hate him. I wouldn't say I hate him. I just I never particularly cared for him. Even when he signed back, he hadn't really. So he hasn't scored yet. He hasn't done a whole lot to, to sort of have us glowing about him. But it's easy to feel that way when you never really talk to the person. He's just a guy. He's just that guy at Bray who melted at us, you know. It's, and he played for us under Kenny, and we were terrible that season. That's still what I used to think of him. But then when you meet him in person, like he spoke really well. He did. He, he clearly has matured. Yeah, definitely, hundred percent agree with you. Interesting. Um... Whether or not he'll be a top striker or winger for us I don't know time will tell but he said that when he was at Bray he found himself at Rovers more so than even at Bray because yeah. his 9 year old plays in the academy he trains there 4 days a week they were training more than his actual team yeah. <laughs> so much training more than they were yeah, yeah so. but I put the question to him I said like what, what would you say to these Rovers fans who feel this way and he basically said he, d- he didn't care but if anything it would make him work harder try and win them over himself yeah yeah, so that was it. Was it was class stuff, and normally these interviews don't go on for ten minutes. So mm. it was definitely when I saw that, I said, "Ah, something here. I have to listen to this." So you can check that out on SoundCloud if you want to hear the prof's interview with Aaron Green. And it was a it was a some interesting audio. 
but we have Bradzar also said recently there would be about five or six players coming in. He's already speaking to players, so that's a. Uh, what what do you make of that? It's, a, do you it's know, early to be talking. It to is. Players. It's early, and I don't know. Do you say that he's comfortable in his role now that he's already looking at next season? Does that mean he's immediately saying, "Okay, well, I know I'm going to be here." I don't know. It's a it's a it's a it's a strange one as regards to that. I mean, does he know who he's letting go as well? I say he's a firm idea of, of two or three he's letting go. Yeah, we we spoke. Of, we obviously won't say anything like that now. But we 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 have an idea. I think every fan has an idea of who's probably going to go through the exit at the end of the season. So, um, yeah. So he's got players coming in already. Striker, a winger, and a fullback. Please, I think that's what we need. Just want I want a striker. So that we can get the best out of Dan Kerr, yeah, wherever me, he plays. Yeah, give me power and pace. Not a striker in place of Dan Kerr. I want Dan Kerr in the team, doing what he does best, and playing off this striker. Yeah. Here, now listen. I'd argue that we have a striker there that would be very good with Dan Kerr in Shawsy. I think Shawsy play well, fantastic up there with Dan Kerr. I think it's a partnership that we'll probably never see. But um. Yeah, we need a goal scorer and they're few and far between and what I will say about the likes of Dundalk, Dundalk have had a turnover of goal scorers that is un- unheard of, I think, bar maybe the, mm. the four in a row from Rovers in, in the 80s. I mean, if you think about it, they had Richie Tell, a midfielder who was scoring goals and winning leagues, right? Then they went on, I think it was Hoban that was in, in and around there before or after that. Then they McMillan and then they'd Hoban again. So think about the amount of goal scorers that their fans have been, been mm. able to watch and, and love through the years it's it's George unbelievable G- George Kelly can't even get in the team Look, I mean how many goal scorers like, have we had I like Murray now yeah Murray, Murray I don't think Murray would be prolific but mm. if you look at our goal scorers down the years before Twig look at the amount of look at the turnover of goal scorers they've had it's it's amazing but um, yeah so that was Brad's I talked about the players and then he confirmed that Lukey and Davey are out for the season with injury Sean Boyd is back. Yeah, so Lukey tweeted this. He said, Ankle surgery was a success. success. Been a frustrating couple of months, but it's sorted. Now the hard work continues. I've been through worse and come back stronger, and this will be no different. Fall down seven, get up eight. I'll be back. Great to see Lukey so positive, and the poor guy can't get a break. He's just getting injured always. So. Yeah, he'll be going through this again so soon after us, but as he but says, he'll be back. He's got the, men- he's, he's yeah. the mental strength there. He really is. He's made a tough stuff. And with Trevor Clark, who was flying. I've seen some Instagram videos of him milling around on a bike in the round roadstone getting that getting that leg back to back to good health so he's been running for three weeks and he's capable of returning next month but it's decided not to risk him until the start of next season which is the right thing to do <clears throat> in my eyes yeah Bradger says the problem is trying to rein him in because he wants to play next week so you have to kind of stop him yeah it's all about just trying to calm him down and tell him listen mm. think about the long the long term we can get you in two weeks time you could be half halfway there and then you could pull up again and you'd be gone for another six months. So definitely just keep him out of the team, get him 100% because he's he's the most exciting player at Rovers as regards, in my opinion anyway. He'd be in my top t- top two favourite players at the moment. I think the, him and probably, I mean, Brando, Danny Carr and Trevor Clark are probably the, the, the three faves at the moment. I mean, he's up there with uh, Berkey in terms of ability. It's just he got injured the wrong time and Berkey went on to play for Ireland and all the rest. But they're... they're of equal quality yeah definitely different styles but definitely uh, Trevor Clark is going on to big things 
We crafty hoop on the form. He said, in my opinion, Trevor was the sharp edge of our attack and the loss of him and Waterford really screwed up our season royally. The only real pace and incision we had. If we'd lost out in almost any other position, we'd have workman-like cover to come in, but we only really had one of him, which is definitely the case because if mm. you take out a fullback like that with pace and power, I always go on about it. Pace and power is essential in football, especially on the wings. We don't have pace and power anymore, really. We've got Joel Coustron, who's not really a pacey... He's pacey, but he's not a powerful type of winger. He's tricky and he likes to cut inside, whereas Trev runs at you, gives you, makes you make decisions as a defender. He, you see Trevor Clark running at you, you need to make a decision straight away what you're going to do. Are you going to go for him? Are you, going to, are you going to stand off? He's got that pace and power that terrifies defences. And we were getting the best out of Sean Kavanagh when he was alongside Clark. That's yeah. when we saw him at his best. So we'll move on to our win against Limerick. Five of the best in Tala and Aaron Green and Brandon Kavanagh started ahead of Danny Kerr and Joel Coustron. Oh. So, uh, Aaron Green up top on his own. Young brand in the cabinet. Uh, the 1899 bar beforehand, it was uh, the usual affair. Loads of lovely grub from Chef Ray. With the pies and the curry, we had points. We had uh, a fantastic whip around for the big man, Mick McCarty. Yeah. And uh, loads of money raised. So, fair play to everybody who gave up a few quid for the charity alone. And it was a fantastic occasion. So, yeah, Mick was chuffed, I think. Ah, he was. He was He was yeah. delighted, you know. I mean, like he says, Rovers is one big family and that's the way it was. Everybody came together and raised a few quid. There was at least 500 quid in the pot. So uh, our, our bogey group alone gave over 100 quid. So uh, fair play to everybody who donated. Yeah, I had a few scoops in the Rovers crested glasses. <clears throat> yeah, I'll definitely have to pick up some of that for Johnny Blues, especially <laughs> for the end of season special, actually. And Carl uh, Kearns and the crew were missed. Yeah, they certainly bar, were. 99 bar, because if you're wondering, they're all at the UCD ball, because UCD won the first division title. Yeah, the the bar receipts were, were hit heavy. Yeah. They were wondering what was going on, and um, the programme swap went down a tree as well. I saw Leighton Doyle come in with about six or seven boxes of Adidas, and I was thinking, look at this fella coming in, showing off, probably had the new Specials, <laughs> but they were full of programmes. Best place for them, isn't it? Yeah. A few boxes. Yeah, so that's uh, the programme swap. I think that'll be a permanent fixture in the 1899 as well. I had a, a quick look. Uh, the majority of them seem to be from the Tala era, but obviously this is a new sort of initiative, so I'm sure it'll expand over more decades as we keep doing this year. Yeah, it's definitely a fantastic idea, so uh, fair play to everybody involved. And the new stand seats, those heart attacks, palpitations, all sorts going on because of the seats, but it looks fantastic. I think they were right to just go with the same thing. Do you know what I, was, I thought could have been cool as well? Now, it take a lot of effort. And did you ever see Ajax's stadium? I think it's called the Kaleidoscope. They have something similar. Instead of blocks of red, yellow, green and white, I thought they could have went for like red, yellow, green, white, each seat. So it would have been crazy looking. Yeah, it's like one little blotch of green and white, and then here's a lot yeah, of red Yeah, I thought yellow. it would have looked much better if you yeah. had the yellow, blue... Green, white, red, green, yellow, red, blue, like that type of thing where it's just completely random. I think that would have looked mm. a lot better. But uh, it was it was visually stunning to actually see the seats <clears throat> seats in because it was a shell only a few weeks ago. Yeah, so absolutely act- brand new, pristine. So to actually see it, it was like really cool. It looked like we had a stadium now. Yeah, they're br- they actually are brand new and shiny. Like they're really shiny. Yeah. They haven't been touched. So it's uh, it's. The debate rolls on about whether the ultras and the fans are going to go in behind the goal as well. So mm. there was a discussion there on Rover Chat recently about the pros and the cons. And personally, I'd like to see them stay in the East Stand because I think it's good for them to see 
for the fan or for the players to come out and see the fans yeah, I'd there. Agree with that, yeah. And uh, I know across Europe, a lot of a lot of ultras go behind the goals, but it all depends on the structure and the layout of the goal as well. If it's suitable for the ultras, but personally, I'd like to stay in the East End. It is a bit back, a bit behind the goal, too, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, quite, it's very far. It's, it's further than it was originally. So, in the newsletter, it said that it probably won't be ready until the start of next season. Lots which, of time to plug a friendly, a big name friendly, hopefully, which makes sense because you know we wouldn't fill it. For these remaining two home games, no, certainly. So not. let's do it for the first home game of next year. Yeah, not bad, and even maybe an off-season friendly. We can get somebody in, and we can we can give out some sort, have some sort of an issue. You know, fill that stand. Hashtag fill that stand. Something along those lines. And yes, the CC are looking into building a fourth stand, and this should be decided in November. So uh, it's been it's, mm. it's been very successful as regards to hosting underage games for Ireland and things like that. So the Germany game there, that was the whole main stand was full. So. It's uh, it's definitely looking good and they're building for the future there. We were in our usual spot in the East End and uh, we know some Garda standing up at the back so then people started chanting where's your balaclava? Oh, I didn't I hear that. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Excellent stuff. Which we won't delve into that matter. We'll, uh, we'll be here for an hour or two. Hashtag free Gary P. Uh, <laughs> Before kick-off there was a minute's <laughs> applause for season ticket holders, Chloe Padreshi and Nicholas Kyo, and uh, also Oren Tully, who passed recently. So once again, we pass on our condolences to all the friends and family, and it was uh, a nice touch by the club. But next up, we have... Uh, I'm actually getting really into this lately. The members corner, and I think... Uh, this is definitely going to be a permanent fixture. Any members who are interested in coming in talking about your, your the origins, the genesis and your love for the club and why you want to be a member, definitely get in touch. We'll get you eventually. I snared Tony R. I have him. He's going to get it eventually. Uh, anyone, we're, we're coming for you, lads. So, um, yeah, so this is Tommy Tarmy and the Members Corner. I'm a member! So this is Members Corner with Tommy Tarmy. So, uh, first question before we get to that. Tell us how you got into following Rovers and remember what your first game was. Uh, yeah, my started following Rovers because my dad brought me. Uh, my first game was UCD away in 1984. What do you remember of this game? Uh, it was one all and Noel King got sent off. <laughs> I have a very uh, specific question now. What's your funniest ever memory from an away game? Well, I don't know if it's funny or if the joke's on me or what the story is, but just with Derry coming up next week, I was just thinking back to my first trip to Derry. And I remember being really confused for a while about the number of people walking around the place in crutches and then I remember that it was we were in the north and it was 1997 so there was people with various kneecapping and bombing injuries and god knows what else god love them yeah, moving swiftly on uh, tell us how how long you've been a member and uh, why you became one well originally I became a member as when the 400 club launched which was to get us into Tala but I think a lot of people myself included always hoped that it would evolve into this, into being a members-owned club, with the members being the 400 club. I mean, that was the part of the original proposal when Cram tried to buy the club off Louis Coin, and I think it is a good idea. Um, in general, why do you think the fans own the club is the way to go? Um, I think it, it provides a better sense of responsibility. I think everyone gets to buy into it. It also provides, our model is quite expensive, as people have said, in you know, other clubs you, it's basically 20 quid onto the top price of a season ticket, whereas at Rovers it's 390, is it, on top of on what a single male season ticket would be, or a single season ticket. So I think it, it not only does it provide um, 
a sense of responsibility and you get to have your say, but it also provides money to the club um, and probably saves us dragging our arse out of fundraising constantly. You've mentioned the price there, obviously, but are there any other ways you think we could improve members' numbers and, for example, any more benefits that could be added to being a member? It's, it's hard to see. I think, I think some of the benefits that we threw in during the, some of the lower years were a good idea where we so, you know, gave away free jerseys when they were supplements, etc. Um, but I don't really see anything beyond, beyond the price, although I think you know, the suite and allowing a guest in is a, is a good way to do it because that means you know, two people, one can buy a membership and then one can buy a season ticket and then between that they have three people getting in, you know, so it's handy they can bring a guest. But now beyond the price, which I was part of the, the committee with McDara and Owen Rice, etc., and you know, the, the date at the time did suggest that we'd you know, make the money back if we considered a reduction. So, but you know, that's democracy. The members voted against it. John McDowell said no to this question. Would you ever cap the uh, number of members? I, I would, but the cap would probably be the capacity of the ground, so I don't think it'll be an issue for us any time soon. Uh, what would you say to a fan to convince them to become a member? Well, I'd say, first of all, um, for all the reasons we, we gave, it's, you know, it's your club. It's... Um, you know, it's your responsibility to some degree. So you, you know, it's a responsibility there to kind of go to the odd, most of the AGMs anyway, and to, to kind of vote on what's going on. I think one thing I thought was very good was uh, when Ray Wilson even was putting in money. He said at the the meeting that you know he'd seen from his own father involved in the club, and I saw from my father being on the board as well that it's it's not good when you've just private investors running the club with no responsibility to the fans. It kind of a disconnect develops. People have rows with each other and you're, you're subject then to the, you know, the, the small number of people on the board getting on, which doesn't always happen. So I would say the basic point I would say is that if you can afford it, if Ray's putting in all this money, why don't you back the club as well and put some money in yourself? Okay, so 2018, obviously not the greatest season ever at Shamrock Growers, but is there a season highlight for you? I'd say the season. Personally, I'm a really, you know, bitter person, so I'm still quite bitter about Stephen Kenny. So to that end, but the the highlight was the away win in Dundalk. Uh, speaking of uh, past managers, suppose could you sum up Trevor Crotty's reign to me in three words? Passing it backwards. <laughs> and last question: uh, Who's your player of the year for 2018? I think I'm going to have to just go with Burke. I mean, people say no one's had a full season, but like he did more than anyone else to put the points on the board. I think the problem is league race has made a few errors, but it's just really hard to give it to somebody because uh, to league race because of the one error in Drada. I just, I don't know. It's maybe harsh, but it's between league race and um, Burkey for me, and I'd probably go with Burkey. Yes, that was Tommy. Great stuff as usual from the ever controversial mm. Tommy Tommy or Mel Torme. How do we know he's not Mel Torme? I don't want to make him blush now, but one of my favourite Rowers people ah, is Tommy. He's one of the people, as as the saying goes on this show, one of the people. It's definitely uh, a section we're going to push on mm. everybody. So it's you, you know, it's a true question about Trevor Crotty. There, it's one of my favourite things about him is that. He despises the Trevor Crotty reign, uh, and no matter how so. no matter how many low points we may have had under Bradder, like the Bows defeats or whatever, I'll just ask him like, "Is this worse than Crotty?" And he'll insist, "No, <laughs> no, nothing's worse. <laughs> Nothing 
is worse than that era. Like I said, you're you're in the midst of writing your new book. Talatime was a massive success, but now terrible time is yeah. coming up soon. Bestseller. Bestseller. So back to the game. Ronan Finn with a rocket. Two minutes in. Boom. Cracker. Bottom corner. Take that one out. So um and that kid was making his debut as well, wasn't he? For that goalkeeper. Oh, was he? Yeah, so you're thinking, I'd say the poor kid was thinking beforehand, he's like, right, get to a half hour. Keep a clean sheet. <laughs> you know, steady the ship. It's my debut. And like two minutes in, he's been smashed. So It was just over a minute and a half. The ball was clear from the corner. And then Finn with a zinger. Yeah, zinger. But we played at such a high tempo from the beginning. Like You could tell we're going to score already here. Because we were pressing them and playing at a really high tempo. Ah, they don't look they don't look good at all, do they, Limerick? It's like they're mm. looking at the playoff and thinking, let's conserve <laughs> ourselves for this. And uh, they're, it's sad, really. I think they'd more staff than they had fans. Then we went on to the second goal, uh, Bulger Major, absolute screamer, thunder bastard, thunder bastard. It literally two keepers wouldn't have saved this on the roll from a corner, first time, top right corner. Kept rising, absolutely bursting it. This is this is arguably our goal of the season. I think so. It's yeah. a short corner, first time shot, straight off the training ground. A bud. And then uh yeah, so it's forced for the club prof. Yeah, Greg Bowser. A Greg Bowser goal, they're few and far between. His last one was for Cork against us actually in twenty sixteen. And uh at the start of the season, if you've noticed on Twitter they do the gifts for the goal celebrations. Mm. And these were all recorded at the start of the year. They even have one for him? Yeah. So, Bolger did, uh, did the dab. And then the videographer was like, are you sure you want to do this? He was like, I shall never score anyway. No so way. So, he did the dab. And then it popped up. <laughs> and I showed it to him with the tunnel. And I was like, oh, you thought I'd never see the light of day. <laughs> but there it is. And then the third goal came. And it was Dylan Watts with a bit of luck on 19 minutes. It was a deflected, looping shot that just beat the mm. keeper and the second he hit it we said that's it it was just <laughs> looping over the poor guy somewhat similar to Dundalk's goal against us wasn't it just yeah that's what I was thinking wicked deflection that's exactly what I was thinking and we were on top for most of the half to be honest it's yeah. Limerick were dead and buried after the second goal and it's 4 and 5 for for Watts now yeah and we were like we are really harrying them and hassling them at this point and exemplified by Watts in this goal because he totally made that one himself like he chased the ball down won it Hit the shot, hit the shot and goal. We seem to have like a shoot on sight policy. Yeah, if you get twenty yards within the goal, at this you point, have to you. because even before the second goal we mentioned there, their keeper made two saves. It was a free kick as well, I think. We've a lot of quality there and, from outside uh, the box, though. In fairness, three goals from our centre centre mids in twenty minutes there. Our trio, yeah, very good. So, um, and then we had my favourite goal of the game. To be mm. honest, <laughs> I love. Uh, a header and back stretched header from the corner he did amazing to get to this I love a good defender I love a good defender burying a header in the box and he was on the very left he buried the header into the top right corner it was a fantastic header from Pico and uh, yeah superb finish I think that must be his highest score on season three goals a season possibly no he's more he could be more he's yeah four. Have so to he's, check, doing, he's, he's, he's chipping in so but actually Brandon Kavanagh uh, whipped in that corner Watts, some whip on him hasn't he Watts had been hitting him from the other side we scored three goals from corners in this game. We didn't, didn't even think of it like that. Yeah. And uh, then we had 
halftime came about with a couple of presentations. Kevin O'Rourke won the Player of the Year for the Rovers amputee team, and the 1899 Suite Mick McCarthy, the Pines Mafia Capo unveiled his new tattoo. Uh, alone, Ireland said this. Huge thank you to Ray Whelan and all the Shamrock Rovers for the support you have gr- shown for our work. Community spirit is at best. I tell you what, that Ray Whelan fella can't stay out of media, can he? Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. He's just yeah. a media whore at this stage. And he still won't go on the show. Makes a good curry, though. <laughs> so, uh, and the hour mark came along. We'd run and fin again. With, once again, we'd pressure them pressured them and pressured them mm. and then uh, Aaron Green heavily involved in this one yeah he and was, then the ball just broke the finner in the box and he uh, struck it into the ground and into the mm. back of the net so 5-0 done and dusted it was done and dusted 2-0 to be honest but uh, 5-0 the route was complete and we'd a host of other chances as well so it could have been double figures yeah I mentioned the free kick earlier there was there was also one where Brandon Cabinet put in this exquisite ball for Carr True on goal, but then he hit the side net. And yeah, there was another one in the first half, I think, where Kavanagh just took the ball down. You know, the ball just seems to stick to him. Yeah, he's just amazing. He just touch. had these deft touches and he, he went for goal, but I think he just hit a tame shot. Mm. But it could have been double figures. There was, there was another one where Carr said of Watts, keeper saved it. And Soccer Republic didn't actually show the Dean Williams chance. Praying he'd bury that. Really was. Because yeah. he deserved his chance. You know, he's been banging them in underage. Mm. Very unfortunate for C block. Yeah, that's so that was senior debut for, for Dean. And uh presented with an absolute gift of a chance only a minute after coming on. Mm. Unfortunately he scuffed it. And uh Loney said he was telling Pat Dolan about uh Dean Williams' nickname. C <laughs> block yeah. and he said he broke his bollocks laughing. Apparently, uh, possibly a Pats fan as well. Young Steve, mm-hmm. like his dad's a big Pats fan. And uh, yeah, so Limerick were pretty terrible. Good performances from us all around the pitch. Um, but Limerick, like I said, I think they've won away on the playoff. They're going to be playing maybe Drogheda or Shells or something like that. So I think they're just kind of mm-hmm. preserving themselves. They know it's that's what's happening. So Finally got to see uh, Barry Maguire in the flesh. He stroked it around well. At, yeah. He stroked it around well at times, I thought. Like, technically, he, was, he could pass yeah. a ball. He was the number 77 there. Yeah. The Dutchman. The Dutchman in Limerick, yeah. The Dutchman named Barry McGuire. Uh, um, the only thing is that when, when you're get when you that comfortable in a game, you're five up and the other team just had no chance. The crowd can lose interest for spells. It was like, do you know what I said yeah. to you? It was like the, the smoking area in Dicey's. That's exactly what it sounded like. It, it was it was just May, yeah. like It was just like chatterbox left, right and centre. But it was a brilliant night. It's actually one of the most enjoyable games I've been in in Tata because the football was so good. I think the phrase... The goals were so good. A joy to watch. Yeah. Is, sums it up. Absolutely great night. As for performances, uh, some people picking Brando... As their man of the match, some people picking Greg Bulger. We'll have to distinguish between because Brando for me is Brando Mille. We'll have to come up with something else here. We'll say Brando Junior. Brando K. Brando K. Here we yeah. go. Some people uh, gave Greg Bulger. He was he was excellent on the night. He's been quite good in the last few weeks. Mm. Even Eddie McGrath Senior has changed the tune on Greg here, and he's getting a bit of stick now for making making that U turn. I think he referred to him as Zico Bulger. <laughs> yeah, didn't know he signed Zico. Yeah. Yeah. But. Uh, did you love our was it really noticeable for you our midfield driving runs that's that's what we're missing we're giving missing the ball penetrating and gone yeah penetrating forward runs and I put that down to probably Brando K because he doesn't go back he doesn't go sideways he goes forward and I love those little he, like he tries things he doesn't 
And if if it doesn't come off, it won't knock him. But like you could say that's a luxury player and you have to indulge him. But I think go ahead, indulge all we can because he's got so much talent in that left foot. He's pinging balls in, going forward, left, right, and centre. And with Danny Carr running off him, I think it's a it's it's a fantastic little partnership. And mm. I look forward to seeing him in the future. Anyway, we had the usual moment of magic from Carr as well, by the way, where he just left a defender for dead on the halfway line, and then he was practically in the box. I mean, that's priceless stuff. He's like a Venus flytrap at times, the way he just invites them in, yeah. invites them in, and then he just guts them, and then he's gone. He for lets any, them make their move. For any of you absolute lunatics thinking of getting rid of Dan Kerr, imagine that compared or teaming up with a striker who would finish off these chances. No oh, man, that would win and you even a league. That alone, though, his runs are excellent. Even if we had someone to to work off him as well and get close to him. And give him have a partnership there. Like I mean, I'd love to see us go for two up top again, you know. But like I said, I don't think Bradza will do it. I remember there was an article there recently praising Bradza for not sti- for not changing his tune when he was under pressure. So if he wasn't going to change his formation during the pressure that he was under, he's not going to do it now. So that's what we're mm-hmm. stuck with for the foreseeable future. And we're not giving out. We're not saying if it works, I'll be happy enough with that. You know what I mean? It's, I assume he did switch to a three five two at an under pressure time. Yeah, true, true. But it, I, and I think he played a sixteen year old keeper. So he has made bold decisions. He has, certainly has, yeah. But there is, there's ups and there's downs, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so pr- give us a couple of stats there, Prof. Yeah, so I didn't get an official time on the Finn goal, but it, it's not our fastest ever goal in Tata. That was Dean Kelly against Pats after 90 seconds. 90 seconds against In 2014. Pats. This was a little later than 90 seconds. Fastest opposition goal still, Kieran Jalali, 32 seconds for Sligo. Kieran Jalali, remember him? In 2013. Uh, this is an interesting one it's the first time we've won a league game by a 5-0 scoreline since November 2002 against Drogheda at Talca Park we haven't won 5-0 since 2002 in the league yeah wow you see for some reason fantastic stat you know what that does I think we've won 6 7 yeah 6-1 there's been 5-1 there's been 6-1 always against like UCD and yeah no 5-0 and I remember thinking about that when we beat Bray 6-0 we were winning 5-0 in injury time I thought oh finally we did it and then Miele stuck one in in injury time but uh, and since then only one other 5-0 and that was in the FAI Cup at Athlone uh, a couple of years ago that's the only other 5-0 and it's their joint biggest ever league win over Limerick beat them 5-0 Milltown in 1941 there were some bigger wins in the Shield but that's the joint record in the league and we were 4-0 up at half time which doesn't happen too often yeah when we scored 6 goals against Bray and Derry earlier this season and 5 against Bray again we were actually only 1 ahead of the break in all of those games so it's the first time we scored 4 first half goals since Shelburne at Talca Park in the 2012 Leinster Senior Cup I think there was a certain Skinner on goal there wasn't it? yeah it was great comedy value as always Skinner <laughs> ended up winning 4-2 on that one did you uh, notice that you got retweeted there? A Cork fan retweeted you. The podcast, yeah. yeah. A Cork fan was listening in, and they were happy with your stats. That was quite strange. That was, wasn't it? It's good to see that other fans are listening to us. Uh, no, it's great. I, I love when other fans listen. Like, there's a past fan who's messaged me a couple of times, thinking, or they said to me Do that. You no, know actually, no. We don't want other fans listening. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> Tesla stands Rovers only. Uh, no, he says to me that it's <clears> an essential <throat> listen. That's coming from a past fan. That's that's quite yeah, a compliment. But we do cover quite a lot. Mm. Obviously, we are Rovers bias, but we do cover a lot. So, born up at halftime. Also happened in 2011 FAI Cup at UCD when we won 6-0. Billy then he got a hat-trick. 
So it's the first time in the league that we were 4-0 up at halftime since we beat Bray 4-1 in Tala in August 2010. Ooh. Twiggy got a brace that day. Oh, Twig of Scotland. Yeah, so um, that's the Profs' stats. I'm loving the new format. And um, yeah, so we're going to talk about play for Paddy tournament this year. I trekked out to it and um, quite the setup, Prof. They had three pitches on at once. They had 16 teams and then the best tour place. Now, our, our structure is different. We're going to go with four groups, two of each coming out and going into the next rounds. But it was very well run. 98 FM were there. They had bouncy castles. They had a kid zone. They had a shop. They were selling raffle tickets. It was all very well run. They had a thing called Torneo, which was digitally doing electronically putting all the results in so one guy had an app and everybody would go to him and say okay FC 20 blue or after beating uh, Juan Hakuna Juan Mata that was the name of the team <laughs> Hakuna Juan Mata and FC 20 blue he'd go and he'd type it into the app and it'd all go onto a screen they had set up beside the laptop well, and it was all very professional very very professional it sounds more advanced than we're going to be yeah pen and paper and points is all we're, we're going to be pretty much doing but you learned, learned a few tips anyway it was yeah really did it was it was really well run and a credit to everybody involved and uh, Ronan Finn and Sean Boy present the trophy to the winning team FC20 Blue lots of donation and raffle tickets purchased great support Sean raising money for St. Francis, Francis Hospice for Haney and uh, Cross Cancer Research so I uh, went out and I interviewed Emma Wheatley and Eamon Moore the business brains and Emma was running the show as well so uh, it was uh, very insightful so we're going to run out those interviews now so I'm here with Emma Wheatley at the play for our Paddy Annual Six Aside Tournament and for those who don't know, tell us all about it and its origins. So it's in its fourth year and uh, it came about through, um, I suppose I know Paddy through Shamrock Rovers from many, many years ago and um, when he passed away between myself, his brother and a couple of his friends and family and people at Rovers as well wanted to do something to remember him um, and his love for football was something that everyone knowed him, knew him for. So um, a football tournament with Rovers uh, fans, friends, family, neighbours, workmates was was kind of the best thing that we could think of to do to... to um, uh, to keep his legs So no going. better way really to No better way and anything that involves Shamrock Rovers and a combination of Artain Beaumont Elamount he's from Beaumont so the, all those kind of Dublin 5 Dublin 9 uh, and there's still loads of teams I said we're four years in now and the first teams on the list every year are those from Artain Beaumont and yeah. Elamount And the place is packed 98 FM are here there's bouncy yeah. castles there's kids zones did it take much planning? Um, considering I have one coming up myself and I have to up the game <laughs> after seeing this a little bit of planning but as I said it's four years in now so we think we kind of have mastered most of it um, we usually start planning maybe about six months in advance couple couple of meetings maybe take place here and there and a few local boozers um, and then we do between maybe a group a core group of about four or five of us between maybe a bit of sponsorship um, setting things up on the day getting the teams together we have 15 teams this year so about 120 players or so um, so yeah it takes a little bit of time a um, little bit of patience and uh, a good few laps and uh, but much of someone against competitive to say the least who are the favourites? So, um, Legends of the Ball, previous winners, 
and Hair Oil FC, another uh, team of previous winners. You have to be looking at them again this year. Um, they're expected for the final. They're either. expected for the final, I think. Both very competitive uh, groups of players. And if they're not in the semi-finals, I'll be surprised. And finally, uh, you can donate online, so tell us the details, how you can donate. So you can donate online. We're going to leave the donation page open. I shall put the link all over the Rovers Forum, all over my Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, wherever and however. Um, you can donate through, there's a Play for Paddy Facebook page and Twitter page. You can get the links there as well. We're selling raffle tickets all the way up till about three o'clock until the presentation. So if you need raffle tickets, you can donate through the link and maybe give me a quick DM or a message and I can pop your name on a few tickets. And um, we'll probably leave the link open for another maybe week or two yet because we still hope maybe we'll get a bit of sponsorship in. The last couple of years, we've raised on average about 5,000 euro each time. So we're hoping to hit the 20,000 euro mark this year. And it's all for St. Francis Hospice in Rohini. And this year, some of the money will go toward cross cancer research as well. Excellent. Okay, so I'm here with Eamon Moore, uh, the, the business brain apparently behind the, the annual six aside play for Paddy. So I was just speaking to Emma about the origins and give us your version of events. How, how did it all come about? Um, well, I suppose it, it's, it's, it resulted from, from Paddy passing away. Uh, and it was a conversation we had around the time of his funeral, given that uh, his love of football and his love of Shamrock Rovers and the travel he used to do to the Irish games, uh, we decided we want to do something in his memory. And, you know, what better way to do it than, than do it with a game that he loved? So we came up with uh, the charity football tournament. One of the guys came up with Play for Paddy. Uh, we got that registered as a, as a charity, etc. And away we went. And we were... We, we, we had great uh, support uh, in the first year and uh, we're a huge number of teams and like this this uh, week we have over 120 players here so it's great support and it's kind of turned into something that we want to see you know it's, it's about raising money for charity it's about uh, doing something in, in Paddy's memory and now it's really people are, are fighting to win this trophy which it's is starting to snowball yeah, it really is yeah. it's been a massive success the place is absolutely packed you've got 98 FM beetle bugs are here you have a kid zone there's a shop it's it's a fantastic day out and um, did it take much planning? Uh, it does yeah we, we, we have a, a committee that we bring together um, so let's just uh, Stephen Delahunty who's Paddy's brother uh, uh, Emma Weekly, Sean Kelly and a few others come in to help us so it's that, the planning starts probably two or three months in advance uh, it's a big job to get all the teams in it's a big job to get all the sponsors in the raffle prizes that we have uh, the organisation uh, you know so we, we, we tend to have conference calls as a group once a week to go through everything updates a planning etc yeah and then I, mu I must give a shout out to the, the lads in Torneo pal who, uh, tell us a bit about this now this yeah. is fascinating so this is uh, Colm is a guy uh, Fairhouse originally I, I believe he's out in uh, living in Finland direction these days but re re really it was true with the power of social media he picked up on social media um, about Playboy Paddy in the first year before we'd even started the event and he reached out to me and said listen I have this uh, online solution for tournaments that can help you run it um, and would you, would, you, would you like to use it for the, for the event we did and he kindly sponsored the event for us gave us access to it and now you know the whole thing is run through an online system running really smoothly oh it's brilliant so we, we input the scores after every game on our phone it updates on an online system the, the league tables the results uh, who goes through to the next round is all available on a screen here so we don't have pen and paper we don't have any arguments we don't have any calculations it's all done with a touch of a button and uh, there's some heavy tackles going in here nobody's pulling out who, who are the favourites 
Well, we have we have uh, we have legends of the ball, uh, who are local Elmont lads. Uh, they they won about two years ago. Hair Hair Oil FC, I think, are Colester lads. They're very handy, um, and have won it on two occasions, I think. Um, and but there's some new teams up here and very handy players. So, so there's some good games, there's some close games as well. So it'll be interesting to see who gets through to the quarters. And tell us, um, how can you donate online or anything like that if you'd like to. To your, your best place is to find us on Facebook we have a Play for Paddy Facebook page all the uh, links are there how you donate online to the iFundRise fundrise page and we have a couple of charities there that we're, we're supporting this year in uh, Cross Research and um, in St Francis Hospice in Rohini then as well so we're all proceeds go to both those charities so big thanks to the guys and uh, everybody involved and uh, like I said we have a work cut out for us for our activities for the side prof we can just wing it the first year yeah that's it said. pretty much and uh, yeah so Bowlesby Cork 4-2 at Daily Mount Park and that was on the telly 3-0 up after a half an hour 4-1 up at half time and an absolute shit show from Cork and especially Ryan or Dean Delaney or Dean Delaney not Dean Delaney he's the goalkeeper Damien Delaney. Damien Delaney with a cracker got the huke they got the huke at half time the huke at half time and some people say it's like one of the worst performances in the League of Ireland game they've ever seen he- like he didn't look up once like he, he received that ball out on where the right back position was and he just buried it across his box which is a mortal sin in football my old coach used to say mortal sins in football tying your laces during a game putting the ball across your own box don't do it he buried it in didn't look up once you could say Peter Cherry was out of position but you don't get your head down and pass the ball back to the keeper at pace madness absolute madness this guy's played for Crystal Palace last year consistently so and good news Gar. If Cork lose the last five games and we win all our remaining games, we go second. Yeah, it's it's on. It's on. Yeah. Drive for second. There's Come up gla- with something catchy. There's a glass half full approach for you now. <laughs> yeah. But then again, you could say that if we lose all our games and Bowles win all theirs. Stop. They could overtake us. Move on. Next one. Listen, Hadrian. Dean Dillon, good news. Scored his first competitive goal for Longford on Friday as well. And they succumbed to a defeat to one. 2-1 I think so. he got yeah. the away goal and then we goalkeeper Brendan Clark which was I think this was trending scored a penalty and St. Pat's went over slow got the weekend so there's been a bit of controversy over their go- penalty takers in recent weeks mm. and uh, Brendan Clark stepped up and buried it in fairness it was a fantastic penalty so we wonder if he's going to continue on so um, as far as I know that's the first time a goalkeeper has scored in the League of Ireland since uh, 2009 relegation playoff and it was a bit of a mad game between Bray and Spartan Fingal Chris O'Connor scored for McCorner for, for Bray to give him a 2-1 lead in injury time and then Fingal hit them on the break from that goal and equalised so it counted for nothing I think Connor Cairns got a goal didn't he get a spectacular last minute overhead was that not under underage level though it could have been yeah possibly but either way it was at the time he was with UCD underage at the time yeah, yeah you're, you're probably right there but that that deserves a shout out Um for the for that spectacular effort, yeah, she went on soccer AM and all, didn't he? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and mm. um, with the under nine Danes and the Roadstone Project, they're back from their month long break. They host their nearest rivals, UCD, in Tala Saturday at two p.m. So that's the second last game of the regular campaign before the quarterfinals begin. We have our under seventeens beat Cove Ramblers six 0 in Tala on Saturday, and the young hoops raced into a four goal lead after twenty five minutes with Martins, Ola Kanye, Daniela Bogdanov, give it to Bog, and Thomas Alua with a brace. And then the second half, Emmanuel Odeni and James Clark. We're getting used to that name at this stage. He's scoring a lot of goals. James Clark penalty completed the route 
and their next game is the same time as the 19 Saturday 2pm away to Wexford and two games remaining in the first phase and they are top as well so uh, the, they are flying and the under 15s lost their unbeaten record this season going down 1-0 to Bowles at say Aidens at CBS in Whitehall on mm. Monday night disgusted with that do for L do for L first competitive loss and uh, I think I'm not too sure we didn't get many accounts from James Lowe our resident Gorgonzola f- fantasist he was um, he was at the game and he was giving <coughs> some updates I think I think Bowles possibly deserved it I'm not sure no, yeah so this is the structure for that one It's um, there's two groups of four the top two go through from each one and Rovers so far have one win one draw and one loss with three games left they host Bowles at the Roadstone on Saturday Right after our game with Derry finishes 7pm. So that cup semi-final with St. Pat's ended up getting called off. And it's been refixed for a couple of weeks time. So we certainly won't catch that game. And that's even if our game goes ahead in Derry. Because it all hinges mm. on Derry versus Bowes not being a draw on the Wednesday night. So as you listen to this, you will know if the game is on or not. So hopefully a Derry win. And we can uh, go up to Derry and spank them. And if it's called off, we can just cut Rose down. Watch that game. Yeah, true. So, yeah, we can go up and watch that. The the derby in Roadstone. Pack the place. So, we Gavin Bazunu, Alex Dunn, James Furlong and Keen Kelly have been called up to the Ireland under-17s for the double header against Turkey this week. And both games are being played at Tala Tuesday night. And that's tonight as we record this and Thursday at 3pm. So, uh, get on out to that and um, support the, the young Irish hopefuls. So um, yeah, so next up we have our goalkeeping coach Jose Ferrer, and he's gonna. Uh, this is first ever interview, so uh, the prof nabbed him at the Rollstone. Okay, we're here with uh, Jose Ferrer, the Rovers goalkeeping coach. So Jose, talk about first of all, just growing up in Spain and how you got into football. So I, w- I was I I was a goalkeeper. I was playing king goal uh, until eighteen years old. And then I, I decided to study physical education and try to, to be a goalkeeper coach. So I left when I was 18, and, and then I, st- I, I introduced myself in, in the college in physical education, and, and that's it. And, and then I started coaching like when I was 19 years old with the kids, and, and I studied the... the the goalkeeper course in the Spanish Federation and, and that's it and like my decision was uh, start really really quick to get more experience So you're obviously a goalkeeper as a player is that what drew you to being a goalkeeping coach like what interested you in it? Yeah it's, it's only because when, when I was in goal like the goalkeeping coach like was was like a new new position to be honest, and my idea was try to help the the goalkeeper the goalkeepers because it's like a special position. So only if if you, if you try to special uh, improve the the kids and try to help them is you can get more success and in the in their careers. So you've been in Ireland now about two and a half years. What did you know about the country and about Shamrock Rovers before you even got here? <laughs> so like, like to, to be honest, I, I didn't know nothing about the, the Irish football. Like when when I came, I I tried to not not study, but I tried to I tried to know some some information about the club, some information about the the league as well, 
I ask different, like the coaches and different people around the club, and to be honest, they, they help me a lot. But when I came, I, I didn't know nothing about Irish football, so... Talk about meeting Stephen Bradley for the first time. How did it all come about for you joining Rovers? So it was, was a curious situation, to be honest, because like I was I was working for the other company and and then I I met I met the gaffer. I didn't know anybody at the club at this time and and then he gave me the chance to to do a few trainings and and show more or less my my idea to goalkeeper trainings and and that's it like was wasn't easy but wasn't difficult like was great experience to be honest and and that and that's it like does it annoy you that maybe goalkeepers get more criticism than players in other positions for example Tomer and Kevin would have gone through tough times during their season like how do you think they dealt with it mentally those tough times uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely, I think obviously when when it's like when the goalkeeper make a mistake is it's pretty easy. Go go to them and and try to cri- cri- what's the name like mm. cri- criticism. Yeah, exactly. Critical, yeah. So because because it's like you make a mistake and then it's gonna be very important on the game. It's gonna take important the game. So. That's that's the problem. Like for example, I don't know. On, in our trainings, um, we try to improve this mental stuff because it's, it's really important. Like it's not only on the training. Like you have to talk with the players and you have to know their their personalities and and try to help them in this in this position. So, what's it like now working with a very experienced goalkeeper and Alan Manis and a big u- young prospect like Gavin Bazuno? Uh been very good like always I think we can we can improve as a coach obviously and they can improve as a goalkeeper so it's great experience for me and I think for them because because we have a good environment and and that's it I think is once once they are they give the 100 percent and and that's it I think I don't know it's, it's it's been a, a great experience, to be honest. You get on well with those two, Alan Gavin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's been really like because they, they their mentality is always in each training be the best, and and that's that's the most important. Like each training is is a is a chance to improve and and be ready for for the matches. Do you have a favorite goalkeeper in worldwide, past or present? Yeah, when I remember when I was young, uh, my favorite goalkeeper was Cañizárez from Valencia. And then, I don't know, now in this moment, I follow different goalkeepers. I really like uh, De Gea from Manchester United. But I I follow different goalkeepers because I like to study the goalkeepers who, who play in the best level and, and try to get the, the best knowledge from them. Do you remember the reason why Canizares once missed the World Cup? What the injury was? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think he was he was on the shower, <laughs> and, and he had some problem with the the gel or something like this. He fell on his foot. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So it wasn't lucky, lucky. Uh, Alamana said he actually had no goal- goalkeeping coach at all when he was 16 in Northern Ireland. So, what are some of your favourite? 
modern day drills and techniques that you do nowadays? My my favorite drills for, uh, yeah. that I do. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think as a goalkeeper coach, is is a different position. Like it's not about the drills. It's about obviously their level and and understanding what the the game demands. So I try to speak with them and and I like to know about their feelings, about how they feel in each situation, and maybe they need to improve or they n need to feel that they need to uh, work. For example, I don't know. Imagine that some some of them they need they need to feel comfortable in crosses, like for example in this league demands a lot. So. I don't know, it's not about the drills, it's about understanding their feelings and their their situation, their context and, and try to reproduce the, the best real situations on the match. <coughs> Robert Sands have noticed you up in the country, recording the games, home and away, so I want to ask you, how did you actually get this job recording the games and do you ever get lonely up there? <laughs> and it's only, uh, obviously, the, the, the gaffer asked me to, to record the matches, I think, helps a lot for the team because we, we can analyze the, the match for the, for the team. It's not only for the keepers, it's special for the team. And for me, it's not, it's not a problem. Like, if, if I'm on the bench, obviously, I can, I can focus more on the goalkeepers, but, but the most important is the team. So, for me, it's, it's not a problem record the, the games and... And the second question, yeah, sometimes is a little bit lonely, but but it's no problem. Sometimes I'm I'm close to some people, some fans, and, and I don't know. It's the problem is I get so so nervous. So so sometimes is yeah, we can hear you. Yeah, sometimes is is difficult to control the emotions, but but like I say, it's it's not a problem because it's it's to improve the team, so no problem. And finally, your thoughts on the upcoming uh, five-star tournament. Uh, you've entered the team with the gaffer. Uh, it's in a couple of weeks, so you think you guys are going to win it? I don't know. I don't know. I think I think it's going to be a really good, really good experience because we we play a, a few games. Like, like since I'm in this in this club, we play some friendly games. So I don't know about the tournament if we are, we have a chance to win or not. But definitely, we'll be a good crack and. And I think we, we will give the best and, and try to win. He was quite eager to talk, wasn't he, Prof? Yeah, he didn't know what to make of it first of all, but once he got going, he was grand. He's, he's, kind of, he's a fun guy, interesting guy. And yeah. he's obviously been there two seasons now, so that was about time we, we heard from him, you know? I think so, yeah, give him a bit of spotlight and, and, and the work that he's doing. Hmm. So um, and They fancy their chances in the fly side. They do, they certainly mm. do, and the odds are being stacked against us because there's, there's there's some serious mm. players involved. But um, I reckon we could bring home the crown, prof. Very clean interview there as well. No, no cussing. Yeah, no cussing. <laughs> Unlike when you hear him in the gantry. Oh yeah, all you can hear is uh, Spanish cursing up there. But yeah, so we're gonna move on now. We have our starting elevens and predictions. <laughs> I've been taking a bit of flack for this about not writing my team down off uh, Chef Ray Senior. Really? Yeah, he's been giving me a bit of grief saying, do you ever write your team down? I says, do you know what? No, I'm still going down the same road. Well, do you know what, Ray? I don't do it. I just wait for Gary to pick his team and then I just <laughs> tweak one or two things. 
So we're gonna keep the same. I'm gonna keep the same format. So we're gonna go Big Island goal, of course. It's it's got to be uh, Cavo left full Pico and Grace. I think I don't think we can disturb that partnership at the moment. Pico is banging them in for fun, and then we've um, Eden Boyle um, at right full. Uh, I'm gonna go for yeah. I'm gonna go four two three one. You could say. I'm gonna. There's no way you could drop the. No, I'm gonna go four one four one. How about that? And um, it's gonna be Bulger Major in front. Can't drop him. The three lads in the middle. It's gonna be Finn Watson Bulger in the middle. Watts just in behind the striker and Finn doing the donkey work up and down box to box. Uh, Brando out left with the free roll, letting them cut in, and uh, Brandon Cavanagh, I think, on the right. Sounds a bit strange, but I'm going to keep him in there anyway. And I want him to do his usual thing, bit of freedom as well. So we're not really, we don't really have natural wingers here. We just have creative midfielders. But like I said, I do like power and pace on the wings, but we're going to substitute that for just pure quality on this one. A young Brandon Kay uh, doing his thing and Danny Carr up front, of course. So that'll be mm. 4-1-4-1. And what are you going for, Prof? I'm keeping the same team, except I'm actually going to stick Dan Kerr in for Brandon Mealy. So I'm keeping Green Ooh. up front. And I want to see Kerr do his stuff maybe in the wing or a free roll or something there. Great show. And then bring on Mealy in the second half if Kerr is getting tired or whatever. That's a great show, Prof. What's your prediction? I will say Derry winning the cup. I think they uh, their tails are up. We're in good form. I'm going to go one all. Hmm. One of maybe two times ever you've I know. not gone for a win. I know. I think one all. Do you know what? No, 2-1 late winner. <laughs> and then frenzy on the way home on the bogey bus. <laughs> the red bus. Yeah. I'm going to gonna go 1-0. Early goal from Aaron Green, the winner. Early goal from Aaron Green. And don't forget, we are travelling on the Gertie Twig bus. Uh, get in touch with Dan Fulham if you want to book your spot on it this it's going to be a cracker of a bus that's the last one the dairy was an absolute belter and we're going to have tunes we're going to have cans we're going to have crack so definitely get your name down go on find them online or um, yeah you can even get in touch and we'll put you through to them as well so uh, that's the Gary Twig supporters club bus rave to the grave rave to the grave the last bus to dairy I was sat between Maloney and Fielder <laughs> you can only imagine the things I witnessed on that bus <laughs> What a combo. Stick me in that sandwich any day. And, um, yeah, so all eyes on this Bowes Cup game now. Imagine which they... will have been played out by the time you listen to this. Unless we hear this on Wednesday morning, which is possible. So here's the... Let's let's go through the permutations. So let's say they do draw. The Cup replay has to be within three days. So that means they're going to have it on the Saturday, possibly. So that's mm. our game cancelled. Therefore, it could poss- possibly be rescheduled for the week after. And if it's rescheduled on the Saturday, the five-a-side is in fucking shit. So there's a lot of there's a lot hinging on this week. So if the five-a-side's on the Friday night, but we could still pull it off, I reckon. Or if the game is rescheduled for the Friday night, 28, we could still pull off the five-a-side on the Saturday. But it could only be moved to that weekend if Derry go out of the cup. If they go through, they need that weekend to actually play their semi-final. Yeah. So we need them to go through. All, all eyes on Derry. I know some people I think you as well like you have your like your live score and you kind of you're up to date on games or whatever mm. I'm not really so much like that even in the WhatsApp group the lads might say the score and that's how I kind of yeah. know what's going on 
but I have never been so interested <laughs> in a Boas game that isn't against Rawers. I'm going to be refreshing this page every two minutes. Join the club. Just The app is on. The stars are set. And we are keeping eyes on this game big time. Might even take a trip up. Imagine the Jibos won the cup. Oh, Jesus. Do you know what? And Maloney said it's their year. And do you know what? He doesn't get much wrong, to be honest. <laughs> Hopefully not. Hopefully he's wrong on all fronts this time. But they just won the League Cup and they beat Cove Rambles 3-1 in the final at the Brandywell and fair play to all the Cove fans. They seem to be doing wonderful things. Stephen Henderson's doing great things at Cove. They uh, did a good crowd travelling up and I'm nearly sure they had massive debts not too long ago and they've, they've minimised mm. that. Stephen, they're doing good Stephen things. and his wife, uh, they were interviewed, weren't they, on Greatest League in the World. They, yeah. they do so much off the field, volunteer work and everything. It's so. very hard to... to to compete with Cork as well and hmm. even just to garner some sort of support or look at look at us as well I mean how do you how do you get a community behind you you know there's a lot to be done and said for community work and I think I think that's one one place where we really are missing out and I'd love to see us do a little bit more in the community as regards to that but um, yeah we, then we had uh, Shields Aaron, did you know Aaron Kearney is his son-in-law Oh no, I didn't know that. No, so there you go. So he could mm. probably have a little word in his ear and say, "Listen, call Ryan Jobs there if you, if you want." So that's his son-in-law. So we're one of the shields taking. Has Shield gotten fed up? I have a feeling he'll stay because he'll just sort of hold up this league trophy, league cup trophy now, and say, "You know, we're a young team. We've won a trophy. We're yeah. we're progressing." Grants look at the league table; they've gone backwards, but. They had that uh, monumental collapse there during for a yeah, while, didn't they? They could see the four goals nearly every game. But uh, a couple of stats for you about going to the Brandywell. We haven't won there since the 2015 League Cup. That was a Sean O'Connor free kick. And we haven't won away to Derry in the league since May 2014 when Gary McCabe got the winner. Ooh. And our away form in general, we've gone from seven away league games without a win to seven unbeaten. That's it. Unbeaten in seven away games. Yeah. Lovely. Three straight wins. On the road, four would be the best since five in 2014. And see, when it comes to like, if we're going to analyse this actual game and it goes ahead, they they like to, they they do play decent football, and they're going to. McInniff has been quiet though; he's had a quiet season. Hasn't scored in a while. He hasn't scored in a while. They have the Hales there as well. They do have a good young team. I like your man Cole at centre half as well. I, I think, I think we have enough to contain them. They have a couple of foreign nationals there as well. I think they they brought in, but I think we definitely have enough to contain them. And 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 nick, and nick a win up there, I really do because, like you said, they're struggling. Maybe their tails are up because of the cup win. They, they could listen. Anything can happen in ninety minutes of football. But last I, time down there it was scoreless, and we totally outplayed them. We made five clear cut chances and missed all of them. I know it was it was very unfortunate. We we had the beating of them that day, and uh, I'm looking forward. Do you know what? I think Derry is officially my favourite trip. I think it is because the bus up it takes nearly four hours you know you're having the crack with the lads the cars and then you mm. get there and it's a, there's a little <coughs> bit of needle there as well it's a bit intimidating when you go in through the Craig and then you don't know if you're going to leave with your windows intact after the game as well you know it's I like how there's, there's no uh, segregation like, like um, you go yeah, we're you, right you, beside I think it's the family section they put us beside cause you queue up for a burger or whatever you're just walking past dairy fans I like that though it's yeah. it's it's kind of ominous in a way as well it's like, mm. it's like a, they're enticing us it's like yeah try something <laughs> there's no police in here we we secure we do this ourselves this is just security guards here so it is a bit intimidating it's like a trap but like I said we're going on the rave bus it's a trial run for Sligo we're going to see how we get on 
and it's like it'll be a rave train yeah the rave rave train yeah so definitely stick your name down for the Gary Twig bus it's going to be uh, it's going to be a belter as usual we'll have tunes on it we'll have uh, an old sing song and you know yourself uh, the usual uh, glut of cans and um, yeah so we hope to see you in Derry on Saturday it all depends on this game most anticipated bowls game in years <laughs> on, on our behalf so well, we hope to see you there in the Brandywell uh, I'm expecting a big travelling support because it's a Saturday what else would you be doing 5 o'clock kickoff. leave early enough Let's stop off somewhere a few points somewhere that's that's the way it's going to be and hopefully we do get a big travelling support because we're in good form at the moment we're off the back of a couple of good wins and we're pushing for Europe so like I said hopefully uh, we will get a big travelling support I'm going to say two or 300 there and um, yeah so don't worry there will be a podcast next week regardless of where that dirty game takes place and not because it's monthly madness and we have Alan O'Neill and Terry Everson and funnily enough we were only calling ourselves this because of the yeah. our, our managerial partnership for the upcoming five aside so well hopefully we don't get sacked after one game like they did <laughs> yeah it could be very possible yeah. But definitely keep uh, an eye out for this one. We will please send in all your questions. Tell us me yeah. gmail.com. Send us to us on Facebook, Messenger, Instagram, any of those you can find us on. Please send in your suggestions and your memories and your questions for these two legends. So um, After this, we'll almost have every living Extra Hours manager from the 90s on the show this year. Of the two Burns and these two. Yeah, we nearly have it all covered. So Rico and uh, Noel King, who's never set foot in Johnny Boo's bar, but maybe Rico. <laughs> Rico, definitely. Just for yeah. if, I, I just pay him to just rant and just come out with those random. Uh, get the dictionary. Get the dictionary out. So yeah, so definitely uh, send us in all your suggestions and I, even even suggestions for future guests as well. We're always open to anything like that. So um, that is it for this week. We thank you for listening, and uh, hopefully we see it in the brandy well. So keep on helping. See ya.